We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. I uh, had an experience as we were doing the welcoming prayer, and it was the sensation of being with an old and dear friend (laughs) because I remembered the use of that practice over years and years and years of my life and it felt like I had been on a long journey with this companion, been through adventures with this companion, faced heartaches and overcame obstacles with this companion and uh, I just savored it and appreciated it. And then I heard the song, and I thought, where'd those lyrics come from? Did you write them? Who fixed them? Damn, that, that was my life. <laughs> I just So today I've been savoring long companionship on this journey. Before we begin the lesson, uh, having nothing to do with our lesson today, I'd like to tell you about a book that I'm listening to right now. Uh, I'm liking it a great deal uh, because I love context. I love understanding the bigger picture, and this is the bigger picture of how spirituality, a long-dismissed part of brain research, a long-dismissed part of uh, psychological research, is actually built into the way our brains function. And uh, so there's a whole bunch of stuff about how fMRI scans work. But there's also a bunch about what happens to our brains when we awaken to the spiritual uh, life. And so uh, if you like that kind of thing, um, I, I uh, would recommend the book to you. Now, you won't hear anything in the book that isn't already part of the spiritual tradition and has been for millennia. But, you know, brain scans makes it cooler. So, also if you've got teenagers, and also if you've faced depression, I think you might find it a helpful book. So, uh, it's called, by the way, The the Awakened Brain. Uh, Lisa Miller is the author. Um, It's an intermittent lesson this year. Bite-sized bits stitched together uh, to take us through to the election in November a step-by-step process of becoming the kind of people this moment in history needs us to be, to be part of the solution in an authentic way, as opposed to what happens so often, even though we have best intentions, even though we can't see it ourselves, how unconsciously we might, even with our best efforts, blindly go along with the norms around us and be reinforcing the problem. How do we become not those people and people who can be part of the solution? So there's five steps I talked about. We're on the second right now. and We're looking at here now, small doable things we can do, things we can do today that if we will do today, make it possible to do tomorrow what we cannot yet do. So step one, we saw how meditation helps us develop love for self, which according to Jesus, and according to a whole bunch of psychological research, is the foundation for pretty much everything that comes after that. If you missed that, you can check it out online. Step two, uh, I've described it as becoming better friends. The words Jesus used were, love your neighbor as you love yourself. His words have substantially more gravity than mine, (laughs) but becoming better friends, as mundane as it is, I chose the mundane on purpose because 
something as doable as learning how to intentionally with purpose become a better friend seems like, oh yeah, I could do that. But here's what we've seen. If we do that, if we become better at being friends, it has an outsized impact on our lives and our souls and our spiritual journey, not to mention what happens within the context of restitching the torn fabric of community. So these were a couple of fine, fine lessons, people, <laughs> full of rich wisdom from the ancient tradition, as well as philosophers and brain scientists, good, fine lessons. We don't often consider how something as every day as becoming better friends leads us into inner transformation or how it awakens us to oneness and how it the the better description of reality than tunis we talk about all the time well now we're into the tail end of the second part and i'd like to start today with a story which is actually a compilation of several stories that uh people have told me uh, recently so imagine with me a man in his 30s his name is matthew it's been a decade since college. When he was in college, he had a group of friends, but now his career is doing what careers do, time and energy. And he loves having a spouse. He loves having a child. In fact, thinking about having another. But again, those things come with time and energy. And as time and energy, old network of friends, much less frequently connecting, and new friends not really happening. You're probably familiar with the territory. Matthew's not alone. It's a thing. What's different about Matthew is that he's recognized and he has named his dilemma. He's explored how his current deficit of friends is creating an interior state that he doesn't want. He's projected that deficit out into the future and he's imagined how much a life of not becoming better friends is going to impoverish him. So at some interior space inside where we make our decisions, Matthew has determined this will not do. Now, Matthew is particularly fortunate because his brilliant minister has brilliantly extolled to him the transcendent glories of becoming better friends and has highlighted how bringing intention and purpose to becoming better friends is also a process that if we will participate in this process will also make us better human beings. So Matthew's motivated and Matthew wants to become the kind of person who can be a better friend and he wants the enrichment that accrues to us there and he wants the deepened spiritual awareness that we experience there. But here's the rub. How? Come on, clever preacher man, when in my life that's already overly full is that supposed to happen? How in the world is this thing that I can't imagine going to become part of my life? I said in the Thursday email, nobody doesn't want to be better friends, uh, but the devil is in the details. And those are a couple of doozy details. When and how? Our society is not facing a friendship deficit because we're dumb. There are real factors that stand in the way. It's the soup that we all swim in that has been constructed out of our collective Western instincts and the social structures that we built on top of those collective Western instincts. So it is a problem, and it is not just a problem for people who live in 
Matthew's age group. Our friendship deficit starts in our nation quite young. A recent article in the Atlantic Monthly highlighted how our social instincts are also impacting our kids. For a few generations now, our children have been spending increasingly every few years more so less time with their friends. They have been making collectively fewer friends in general. They have less time to spend with their friends than they had 10 and 20 and 30 years ago. So it is a problem, and it is a problem that we all deal with. But Matthew, having been in the community, has heard our mantra. When we face big, overwhelming, daunting issues, what we don't do is nothing. But we also don't do more than we can do. What we do is, here now, small doable. That's the thing that we do when we face these overwhelmingly large issues. So recently, in keeping with here now, small doable, Matthew spent 30 minutes one evening making a list. This was a list of people that he could imagine building friendship with. He went through his work directory, went through the church directory, went through his contacts, thought through his neighborhood, and he found two potential friends from his old network that he could rekindle and begin working on becoming better friends with. And he found four potentials of people that he liked that he thought he could possibly be better friends with. Took him 30 minutes, here now, small, doable. Now the next week, he'd spent another 30 minutes, uh, did it twice. And this time, he interspersed those sit-down-and-make-a-list uh, exercises with conversations in which he started picking other people's brains, and he did those in between. This time, the list was things that he could do, things that would fit into his life, things that were doable, time slots that could possibly work, uh, places that he could possibly go and be with friends, things that included his child on the weekends, things that included Zoom calls when in-person was not possible, or monthly when weekly was not possible. And he created a whole list of very practical things, things that he could do in those time slots, uh, things that if he were to do those would start building a network of friendships. So on his list, he just wrote down that some Sunday he's going to make himself stay after for 10 minutes and try to institute a conversation and uh, see, if, see how that goes. That's here now, small, doable kind of thing. Also on the list, practice up using form, F-O-R-M. Uh, if you're not familiar with form, uh, it's been a while since I reviewed it. Here's what it means. It is a series of get-to-know-you questions that if you ask by the end, you will know someone better. You ask about, tell me about your family. Who are your people? Where do you live? What do you do? All the oh, occupation. Tell me about your job. Tell me about the thing you do with your time. What goes on? Tell me recreation. What do you do that you enjoy? Meaning, what matters to you? What are you after in life? What are the things you want? And by the way, don't feel bad using F-O-R-M in our community because you know that everybody knows what you're doing. <laughs> because what we are also doing is knowing why we do it. We are doing that with one another because when we do ask the get-to-know-you questions, we are saying you are worth getting to know. Community is worth working on and building, and that's a very convenient too. So Matthew wrote down a series of form questions, F-O-R-M. He also had added other questions to it that he got from a Google search that made it easier, more authentic, felt more like him. So he's got questions for getting to know people, and he's got spaces he can go to start practicing those questions. 
he wrote down for later, one of these days I'm going to ask somebody to meet me at some church event because that way I'll be sure and I go and that way I'll get to know somebody while I'm there. And he started picking people's brains. That was very helpful for him. And he's got a whole list of things that he could do. Just as an aside, GPT, even more helpful. You can't read this yet, but there's a question put into GPT that says, create a list for me of things that introverts do that create uh, a network of authentic f uh, friendships. Look at all that stuff. I mean, that's good. But it wasn't very practical, so it was a follow-up prompt that came after that. Okay, give me some activities that people do to go along with. And all of a sudden, he got 25 things. Took him all of 42 seconds. <laughs> but now, of all that list, maybe 25 things, only two were really relevant to Matthew. Only two did he extract. But that's two things. Two things that came out of that just handed to him. I did another prompt just to see. It said, okay, how about if I'm 35 years old and I have an odd fascination with model trains? <laughs> and sure enough, <laughs> GPT is here to help. <laughs> here now, small doable. There are no shortage of tools to help us come up with the options from which we can choose to begin to do the kinds of things that will help us become better friends. So Matthew made a plan, and then he scheduled his plan. He's going to visit this list, all of his lists, every uh, Monday and every Friday. He's going to do it as he thinks about his week coming up. He's going to do it as his weekend's coming up. And so that's his plan, again, here now Small Doable. Now that's as far as Matthew has gotten, but that is no small thing. He has discerned a deep human desire that he carries within. It is something real. And it is something profound that we carry within. And then he has moved forward on that deep and real desire, and he's made a plan, also no small thing. And because he did discern the thing, the desire, make the plan, the likelihood that he will build a network of friendship, to be, will be able to have a context, a space in which he can work on better friends, that the odds of that go way, way up. But there's a couple of things I'd like to highlight in Matthew's story. Nope. We'll just leave it on there for a while. But you know where we're going, the two-step dance. <laughs> the first is uh, his plan was to gather a network of friends. And of course, that's where we start. We create the space where we can work on becoming better friends. But there's a good chance in this community you've done that part. Uh, our community works really hard to help one another get into friendships. So maybe you have or you're very close to having created that network uh, around you. So when we start the better part of building better friendships, now we think about the next phase. And it also is going to need a plan. Uh, there is no one way to start working on becoming better friends. We will each choose our own way. It's more of a listen for the interior nudge endeavor than it is a here's the right answer endeavor. Uh, keeping in mind as we do it, it's got to be here now, small doable, it's got to fit into our lives, keep that in mind. It's not hard to find a menu of suggestions upon which we can practice our listening for an interior nudge. It's easy to get the list. 
What's harder is actually discerning which of the things on the list are ours. This is for me and this is for now. I'll, show, I'll put up a few in a minute. But again, the menu from which to choose, that's not the hard part. The hard part, the part that takes focus and attention is discerning of those things, which one is for me and for now. So that's why we practice the art of discernment. And that's why to help us, we practice the two-step dance of the spiritual journey. Desire and pay attention, desire and pay attention. It's a dance that helps us determine what our one thing is, what our inner voice thing is, what our one thing is. This is for me, this is for now, this is how I work on becoming a better friend. Now, let's say we do that and we've discerned our one thing. This is the thing I'm going to work on. I'm going to work on listening or I'm going to work on compassion. Or I'm going to, this is my thing. Um, no surprise, we're going to also need a plan for that. A plan to help us do our one thing. But the thing I want to highlight from Matthew's story, the other thing I want to highlight from Matthew's story, is that a plan is important. But a plan is not the most important thing that Matthew did. Uh, the plan is good, but probably not for the reason Matthew thinks it's good. Here's what I expect is going to happen next with Matthew. I've seen it in my own life, and I have seen it in many lives as I have been watching how this spiritual un journey unfolds. He's going to start working his plan. He's going to go and visit that list twice a week. Uh, he put it on the calendar. He's got the reminders in place. He makes sure that he does one thing in the weekdays and one thing in the weekend. And again, that's going to help. But I suspect he'll get the most benefit because of what the plan does. What the plan does is keep him focused and keep him paying attention. And because he is paying attention, I suspect he's going to see things, things that were always there, but that he had not been seeing. That's what desire pay attention does. We galvanize our desire for some thing. Maybe we galvanize desire by praying a prayer or by a journal entry or by making a list or by talking about it and potentially in the course of a conversation we hear ourselves say something and we realize that's important we stop the conversation we say hold on a minute we write it down some way we galvanize our desire some way we heighten that deep desire in our own awareness this thing this is for me this is for now there's a whole bunch of wisdom out there a whole bunch of good ideas out there the discernment process to say this one for me, this one for now. So step one, we galvanize our desire f in the first of the two steps in the dance. The second step of the dance is we watch and we pay attention. And when we do watch and when we do pay attention, a thing happens frequently enough that we actually have a name for it. The word is synchronicities. It was coined by Carl Jung to describe a psychological phenomenon. Some would call it a spiritual experience. It's a thing that just happens. When we are in a heightened state of paying attention, we notice stuff. Stuff that may have always been there, but now we notice. Meaningful coincidences, 
coincidental events that take on rich meaning because we're paying attention. Something happens in the external world, and we see the rich meaning in that thing that happened in the external world because there's also something going on in our own internal worlds. And that's what practicing the two-step dance of the spiritual journey does for us all the time. It exposes us to, makes us alert to, synchronicities or meaningful coincidences. Those things, over time, start to get kind of normal. So back when, you could watch TV on a handheld device with a little antenna. Um, we could uh, watch the ACC tournament. We could, this isn't time for that yet. I'm going to keep Carl up there. Yeah. <laughs> we could watch uh, the ACC tournament in March Madness by just a little device, and it had a little metal antenna. You swayed it around, and you could just sit there at your desk while you're at work, and you could watch that stuff. Back in the day, I don't know if it's still true, but it used to happen on WRAL. Maybe they still are. I haven't watched in several years. But I started using that as a metaphor for this concept of synchronicities. So I would say something like, WRAL is in this room right now, always and everywhere. But with no portable device in your hand, you would never know. That's what desire and pay attention is for us. It's like a portable device in your hand. And when we experience a synchronicity, it's because we are now paying attention. Now it happens often enough and it has happened for enough people that it's become a thing that people talk about. And when that happens and they talk about it, one of the primary things they say is, this was magical. It was magical. Oh my God, the thing that I needed, it just showed up. The thing that pointed me to the next place I needed to go, it just showed up. The resources that I had to have to be able to do the next thing, it just showed up. Magic. Or, I've come to think of these experiences that I've gotten older, those are things that were always there, like the divine is always here, like love is always here, like grace and mercy and goodness are always here, like virtue, it's always here, but when we start paying attention, we see how those things integrate with our lives in a very material, tangible way right now. When we don't pay attention, whew, those things are there, but they are unseen, and they are unregistered, and they are unintegrated into our lives. They are present, but they are not seen. So here's what I expect is going to happen with Matthew. I expect that his plan is going to help. It will. Doing the things on his list, maybe expose him to some people. Maybe start some friendships. Maybe that's going to happen. But I think probably more what's going to happen is stuff that he can't plan for. Because you can't plan for synchronicities. You can't plan for the coincidences that show up, that are experiences that are packed with meaning. Those things just happen. But they happen because we're paying attention. They happen because we're doing the two-step dance. Now, because... These synchronicities things are, are a thing because people do talk about them. Uh, we kind of know that when they do happen, people often will attribute these experiences to the universe or to God 
or to Jung's collective unconscious. Other people will attribute them to confirmation bias or to coincidence or to our own projection onto experience. And the thing is, yes. Yes, God. Yes, universe. Yes, collective unconscious, because we really don't know what those words mean anyway. And yes, coincidence. And yes, projection. But also, magic. <laughs> but also, meaning. But also, a way forward but also a confirmation of interior knowing, but also a way to go for the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step after that. And also deeper connection, also deeper belonging, and also deeper uh, encouragement, and perhaps better decisions. So, yes, in the realm of mystery, we don't have to, def to define these things so that we can then fight with each other over whether you're right or wrong. What we want to do is experience these things so that we are awakened to the deeper experiences that are available to us. And we do that when we galvanize some inner voice desire. And then we do that galvanizing against the current of social instincts like Western individualism and like uh, workism that's emerged and against the current uh, social or familial expectations that we carry in our brains, against our own interior narratives. Go against that current about what good people should do or how good people should live. We galvanize some deep inner voice desire and then we pay attention. And when we do, stuff shows up. WRL, who knew? It's always there. So, there's a really good chance that Matthew will develop a network of spiritual friends. And he will thrive in that environment. Because he will receive feedback from his friends. He will see his own mind more clearly because he'll get feedback from them. He will deepen his empathy more. That happens in friendship. He will learn to accept more and communicate more effectively, become a better listener. And he'll probably make another plan, a menu to help him discern what is his do this thing. And then he'll figure out how he's going to work on that over time. He'll start a list. Um, he'll probably use GPT again. And um, on that list will be words like these. Honest, authentic, open, being vulnerable. These are ways that we work on becoming better friends, allowing himself to be seen more clearly, not withholding himself. Perhaps that'll be on his list of things to consider. Reliable might be on his list. Being careful with his yeses. But if he does say yes, making sure that he follows through on that yes. And acting as an initiator as well as a responder, that's a sticky point because, again, when am I going to do this? When do I have the time? When do I have the bandwidth? Remember what I've been saying here, now small doable. But when he does initiate, recognizing that that initiation says, yes, this is important, and yes, you are important. On his list, maybe learning to suspend my thoughts, and especially my words, and especially if my thoughts and my words usually come with the form, you should. This is what you should do. If he learns to suspend that and, practicing, and practice being fully present and simply listening without inserting an agenda, maybe that will be on his list. That one's huge, by the way. Maybe on his list would be the word supportive or 
patient, gracious, merciful, really. Um, wait, wait, wait. Now I got two things in one hand. Understanding. Turns out understanding often happens when we practice listening better. We find ourselves more able to insert ourselves into an understanding that comes from another's perspective. Uh, grateful might be on his list. Boundaries might be on his list. That's an important part of friendships. Being able to respect other people's boundaries, but also being able to set uh, our own boundaries. And then talking about what those boundaries are and talking about why they're there. Empathetic might be on his list. Yeah. It's not hard to know uh, what the things are that make us better friends. Pretty straightforward coming up with a list. You can get a better list than that in about five minutes online. That's not the challenge. The challenge is where we focus. The challenge is what we do next. The challenge is participating in neural connection changing, habit building, doing. That's where the challenge comes in. The challenge comes in practicing over time listening. Practicing over time not saying the words but instead seeking first to understand. The challenge is in practicing bringing our attention back when it wanders. Bringing our attention back to the person before us that we are working on befriending when we really have seven things that we would like to say that would really make this conversation much more interesting if I said them. Listening effectively to a friend. It's the practicing over time of authenticity. Telling the stuff that I typically edit out and then watching to see how safely I am received so that I can potentially risk even more. The practice of patience over time. The practice of empathy over time. It's the practice over time that creates the magical inner transformation that becoming better friends works in us. Now I know you people. And I know the lives we are living. And I know that what I'm talking about today is overwhelming. How in the hell am I going to do that and do it consistently on top of it being a thing I already can't imagine how I could possibly do? But here's the thing. I've watched a lot of Matthews come and be part of the community through the years. And I watched them as they walked through the door, unable to imagine that they could possibly practice what is required to live in authentic spiritual community. Nobody comes in the door thinking, I've got extra time. I've got extra bandwidth. This is what I'm looking for. But then they do the two-step dance. And sure enough, they begin to be alerted to one of the deepest desires that human beings have. A deep way for human beings to be that is authentic and spiritual and communal. And they begin to understand this is part of what I am as a human wired to live in the context of a network of spiritual friendships. And as that desire begins to crystallize and as they start paying attention, things that they could not plan for, things that they could not imagine, things that unfold as a shifting of schedules, as a shifting of priorities produces a shifting of schedules, stuff happens. Magic happens. And it turns out 
people often find themselves able to do what they couldn't imagine they could do if they practice the two-step dance of discernment. And so, may I suggest the two-step dance? In Dwelling Divine, may we become discerners. May we become desire and pay attention-ers. And may we become better friends and be transformed in the process. Amen. Okay, uh, a couple things. Um, you're standing up. You're going to say something? I am standing up because oh. I believe this is a room full of Doug's friends. He's got uh. some very good friends online. And you may not know that today is his birthday. <laughs> so Joe is going to lead us in singing <laughs> to our friend Doug. Let's <laughs> sing one more song. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Thank you very much. I want you to know that's the second birthday song I've received today. Gene, sing the other one. I thought I wasn't planning on that. What do we do next? Oh, yes. Here we go. <laughs> so a couple things as we are dismissing those of you who are online. Uh, First of all, we do What Are You Thinking on Zoom right after. We're going to do it in the room. We'd like you to do that. If you do, you'll find the link in the uh, um, notes right underneath YouTube. You'll also need a password. The password is 1417. But the second thing I want to note is that we've been kind of observing that not a lot of you, or not a big percentage of you all watch live. So you're not here at uh, 11.09 on Sunday morning. So... For you, the time shifters, we uh, are trying to figure out how to create authentic spiritual community online. Thing is, we know how to do that. We've been doing it for a while. We got really good at it during the pandemic. What we haven't done very well is invite people to it. <laughs> we haven't let you know the ways in which you can connect online. So we've gathered a team, uh, and you will find now that there's a second link in the YouTube notes that says, find out about online community. And if you will click that, we're going to let you know what we're doing. We're going to let you know what's coming up. We're going to let you know how you could participate because we have found you actually can make a very meaningful, authentic spiritual community and do it in an online way. So right now, if you're live, what are you thinking on Zoom? Uh, online community, you can find out what's happening later. Let's dismiss the folks who are online. If you would, please put your hand on your heart. Remembering as we go that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. Love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness there in us. The fruit of the Spirit is within us. And if you would extend your other hand to our city. And let's look this week for opportunities to share what's already in us with the people that we live and work, go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. You all are dismissed. Thank you all for uh, joining us. If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.